What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, I'd love it if you go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB. We're bringing on more writers and podcasters for the offseason and for next season as well. And that's where their content will be posted out from. I'll do what I can to share it out on my account. But Ethos Fantasy BB is your place to be following for all of our sports ethos baseball content. Now, this is the first day officially with no baseball. And it's going to be 175 days now until we set another fantasy lineup. Moment of silence real quick for that. Okay, moment of silence is over with. Baseball season is done. I hope that you guys had a very successful season. I won a couple of my leagues. There was a couple where I was fairly disappointed, you know, head-to-head leagues where I did well in the regular season, and then just fizzled out in the playoffs. It happens. It sucks. I mean, Roto is definitely a more balanced game, I think, um, after playing both these last couple of seasons. There's not as much luck with Roto, so if that's the way you want to go, then maybe Roto is your bag. I tend to like it when the fantasy game mirrors the real-life game. So the Dodgers won, what was it, 110, 111 games. They might lose in the first round of the playoffs, and that just might happen, and that's the way it goes. Uh, it it kind of sucks, but if you want to play something that kind of mirrors real life, uh, head-to-head is more so my bag in that regard. I do like Roto, and I think I'm going to play more Roto next season as I get more into NFBC leagues. I signed up for TGFBI this morning, which is very exciting. I've never played in an NFBC league. I'm assuming that will be the first one that I do. But that will be more so as we get into next year. We'll start talking about what kind of leagues to join, um, different preferences. But at the end of the season here, it's it's very hard to look at head-to-head. As much as I love it and see that it is the most the truest test of your fantasy skills, I guess is the best way I could put it. There's one league where I won the regular season by... I had like a 17-18 game lead in the regular season. I started out like 40-0. and 0. It was a crazy, crazy year. I just drafted very well. I had some good pickups. And then I lost in, the, in my first playoff matchup. So it, it's, maybe I'm just a little bit sour about that one, and that's why I'm saying this. But I do think I'm going to play some more Roto next year. I know Dan Vespers will be happy about that, him being a big Roto guy. But we're going to talk today a little bit more about the season as a whole. Yesterday we had Patrick David on to kind of look back on batters in general. Now we're going to do more specific shows looking at advanced stats and different things like that. We're not we're not done looking back on batters. Uh, as great as a job as we did yesterday, I think with Patrick it was a good show. We need to get a little bit deeper and we're going to go position by position, uh, stat by stat, advanced stat by advanced stat probably at some point here in the offseason and just really start to dig into what we can expect for next year and why the things that happened this year actually ended up happening. So we're going to start today with catchers. I want to take a look at catchers. We're going to look at their ADP, specifically over on Yahoo. Now, I'll do this on a few different sites. I think I'll probably do one for ESPN, and we'll see. Maybe I'll do one for the NFBC. I'm not sure how their data works exactly, if it's going to be, you know, if I could find out all their ranking stuff, if they even have their own algorithm. I'm really not too sure about that. For sure, we'll do one for Yahoo rankings, and we'll do one for ESPN. Today, we're going to be looking at Yahoo catchers based on their ADP, where they finished in the season as a whole. And just looking at standard 5 by 5 and where they ranked in that algorithm. So let's kick it off here. The number one catcher this season in terms of his rank was JT Real Muto. I don't think you're going to get too much of an argument on that one for most people. He had a fantastic season. Now, Dalton Varsho was the number two ranked catcher. And he had a similarly great season. Uh, They're very, very similar numbers, actually. 
but we'll talk about him in a second. I think you could maybe make an argument that he would, eh, it, it's close. It's definitely close depending on what you needed. But JT Real Muto, catcher, first base eligibility, that's excellent, first of all. When any of these catchers have a second position, there's a couple of guys we're going to talk about, although not that many that do have a second position. They are always going to be a little bit more valuable. Real Muto finished the season with 75 runs, 84 RBIs, and a 276 batting average. Great stuff right there. He also had a 2020 season as a catcher, 22 home runs and 22 stolen bases. He had that three stolen base game in the last week of the regular season that probably swayed some leagues, uh, truly, if you're talking Roto specifically at the end of the year. Three stolen bases in one day from one guy might have had a big impact. Uh, it probably did have a big impact. Now, in terms of where he was being drafted, JT Real Muto, in terms of Yahoo, it's going to be lower here than it would have been on the NFBC per se. But his average draft pick was 70. And you know what? I'm going to just pull up the NFBC and just compare it. Because it'll usually be a a little bit higher when you're talking about the NFBC ADPs. Some are a little bit lower. But in terms of a lot of these guys, um, we're seeing them go actually quite a bit higher on uh, on the NFBC than they would on Yahoo. So JT Realmuto, for example, across all NFBC drafts, his ADP was 47.8. Why was he going 25 spots different on the NFBC? I think there, there's a couple of reasons. There's two catcher leagues mostly over there, and you kind of need to secure yourself at least one catcher early on, and then maybe you speculate later on down the board. Whereas if you're just in a 12-team league, people will tend to wait on catchers, 10, 12, 15, even team one catcher leagues, home leagues. People will tend to wait a little bit longer on catchers. So he was going 47th over there, 70th on Yahoo. I think next season we'll probably see him go around that 70-ish mark. I think they'll probably be pretty similar, honestly, on both sides. Uh, I don't think he did anything that was too crazy. We were kind of expecting maybe a few more, or excuse me, he maybe gave you a few more steals than you were expecting. But this is pretty much what we were hoping for from JT Realmuto, I think. I mean, this is, the 2020 is really nice. The 2020 is rare. I mean, maybe not as quite as rare as it would have been a couple of years ago, it seems. There's a few guys who actually were able to do it. But doing it as a catcher is spectacular. Like I said, the second uh, position is fantastic as well. And over the last month of the season, he really turned it on. Seven home runs, four steals, and a two ninety three batting average. I really think that he'll probably be drafted next season in that same kind of range. If we're talking standard 12-team leagues and you're only talking one catcher, because that makes a huge difference. If you're talking one catcher or two catcher, it's like a super flex in football. If you guys play fantasy football, when there's only one QB needed, QBs go farther down the board. When you need two of them, then they tend to go higher up in the first round, second round kind of thing. I think if you're talking one catcher leagues, 60 to 70 is probably the range that we're going to see Real Muto go. If you're talking the NFBC, he'll probably be roughly around that same spot, I would imagine. I don't have experience with the NFBC, but I think that it would probably be roughly in that same range. Maybe he gets pushed up a little bit higher. He's going to be turning 32 right before the start of next season, so maybe we start to worry a little bit about how many steals he can give us. But I'm not too worried about JT Real Muto, I don't think. I think he could probably give us a similar stat line here for these next few seasons. If you're just talking redraft, I think his value will be fairly similar heading into next year. No need to worry about you know avoiding him, I don't think, as of right now. Maybe we don't see quite as many stolen bases, but I think that he can still give you a pretty overall complete game from the catcher position, which is pretty damn rare. There's a couple guys that were able to provide borderline five-category value, but it's pretty much just him and Varsho who are able to provide value across the board. And Varsho with a 235 average, maybe you want to say it's four-category production, and that's totally fair. 235 was not great. Or 276 for Real Muto, 
you'll take that over him any day. But in terms of our show, let's talk about him here because he was he was a force to be reckoned with, specifically down the stretch. 79 runs scored, 27 home runs, 74 RBIs, 16 steals, and that 235 batting average. Now, he made his money for you in this last month of the season. Seven home runs, eight, st- uh, eight stolen bases, 16 runs, 13 RBIs. He was fantastic, Dalton Varsho. I had a lot of shares of Varsho, and specifically when I was playing in Yahoo Leagues, his ADP was 159. He was free. Like, okay, maybe maybe I shouldn't even say free, but when you're getting a guy in the 13th round who's catcher and outfield eligible who ended up having the season that he did, he was one of the guys I was pretty big on heading into the season as well. So I have Varsho, I think, on about half of my teams, maybe a little bit less than, I think on four out of nine teams I had Dalton Varsho And I was very happy. I won two of the leagues where I did have him, the head-to-head league specifically, because down the stretch he was just so dominant. There was a good week or two there during fantasy championships where he was just unbelievable. And, you know, I'm going to be buying in again next season. The price will be higher for sure than 159. And if I go over to NFBC leagues, it was 88, just to show you there again. It's always going to be higher in terms of catchers specifically over on the NFBC. But if he's getting drafted in Yahoo leagues, roughly where he went in the NFBC last year, which is about 90, I'll be totally cool with that. To take him around that same range, I believe that he still will have outfield eligibility to go along with catcher. It's so rare, and I, I, I've said it a couple times here already, but going down that list of catcher value, just in terms of Yahoo rankings for the season, there's Real Mudo and Varsho at the top in terms of guys who have a second position. After that, you got to go all the way down to MJ Melendez, who has catcher and outfield, who we'll talk about. He was still really good this year. But it's really hard to find those guys who can play a second position. Eric Haas is a guy who last year I was kind of big on. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as well when, they had, when he had that designation. Now, these guys are not going to be so strong as Hosmer, or excuse me, as where did Hosmer come from? Jesus. As Varsho and Real Muto, those guys are going to be, I think, the cream, the cream of the crop for catchers next season specifically because the steals in the second position. And then I think it will fall off a little bit there in terms of uh, where we're seeing these guys get drafted. The third catcher this season, based on value and total value, was Will Smith. Another great year, pretty much exactly the same as what he did last year with a couple more RBIs. He had 68 runs scored, 24 homers, 87 ribbies, one steal, and a 260 batting average. He was within three runs of last year, one home run. 11 RBIs, two steals, and two batting average points. He gave you exactly what you were hoping for. He was the 54th pick in the NFBC, and he was the 75th pick over on Yahoo. Yeah, totally cool. Totally fair. I think that they'll probably continue in that same kind of range. Maybe he falls back a little bit on the NFBC, but again, 54 and two catcher leagues, it's probably about right, somewhere in the fourth round there. It's not without its risks, for sure, taking a catcher in the fourth round who's only got one position of eligibility. It's it's a great lineup, so that's why you're not really going to worry so much. Will Smith is going to be bad and probably in that three to five range most of the time in that lineup, and we've seen how elite it can be. Now, if Trey Turner leaves, maybe it'll be not quite as elite, but there's, I mean, knowing the Dodgers, they'll replace him with Bogarts or something. There'll be, I don't think there's going to be any need to worry about the Dodger lineup producing value for these next few seasons, and Will Smith is going to be one of those key contributors once again. He'll be a very safe draft pick. Any of these top three catchers will be a very safe draft pick. I think I would prefer to go still with Real Muto and Varsho just because of the scarcity of steals that we see, I mean, in general, but specifically from catchers. Outside of those top two guys, if we just look in descending order of catcher value and then look at their steals, we have one zero zero one zero four two four one two one 
you're not getting steals out of the catcher slot. So you want to pay up a little bit more for Real Muto and Varsho next season for steals. I'm not going to hold it against you. I would probably do the same thing in, in a couple of drafts. I'm not going to do it in every draft. I'm definitely going to try and diversify my player pool next year. But there will be one or two uh, leagues where I certainly reach for at least one of these guys. I mean, you're not going to get both of them. That would be ridiculous. But if you can get one of uh, Real Muto or Varsho, if you, I mean, that would be ideal for me. If you can't, go for Will Smith. He would be the third option for sure. And I think he'll be a little bit cheaper, understandably so. This year he wasn't. Uh, Varsho was really, I mean, he hadn't broken out yet, so you got him at a huge discount. That will not be happening again next season. Uh, even on the NFBC, he was going 35 picks below Will Smith. That's not going to happen. Uh, he's going to go above Will Smith. I'd be shocked if he didn't, or at least in the same kind of ballpark. All of them make really, really solid picks. You got a little bit more certainty in the lineup with Will Smith. But, I mean, with Real Muto, you got Nick Castellanos, who should turn it around next year, a whole year of Bryce Harper with your fingers crossed, and then, you know, I'm, I'm expecting a little bit more. And then in Arizona, they got a whole group of prospects who should develop and be even better next season. Corbin Carroll, uh, Thomas, you know, I don't think we're going to see Drew Jones next year. But we, we got a lot of lot to look forward to in Arizona with Dalton Varsho being kind of a corner piece of that, of that team, it looks like. So I'm very, very happy to draft all three of these guys. I think this is the first tier of catchers below these three guys. For me, it falls off a little bit, and we'll start to talk about tier two right now. So this season, the next ranked catcher was Alejandro Kirk. He had a really great first half, and then he tailed off for sure down the stretch. He was not a great asset for you these last couple weeks. This last month, he was the 562nd ranked player, one home run, 10 RBIs. The last two weeks, he was 5 for 38. The last week of the season, he was 1 for 13. Now, you kind of have to take the whole season and just be happy with what he gave you, a 285 batting average, 63 RBIs, 14 home runs, 59 runs scored. You know, the strikeout and walk numbers are very good. He got a lot of infield hits this season, too, which was very weird for a guy his size, just the way the ball was coming off the bat. It would end up squibbing down the third base line, and he'd get a base hit. It was very weird. I think there was like 10 instances of that throughout the season. So did that boost his average a little bit? Sure. I still like Alejandro Kirk. I'm a little bit uncertain of what the Blue Jays are going to do going forward with their catching spots. I don't think Kirk is going to be out of a job by any means. But it's it's kind of crowded back there. Gabriel Moreno is one of the top prospects in baseball. He hit his first career home run yesterday. Or was it the day before? No, it was yesterday. It was the last day of the season. He hit his first career home run. He's going to demand a spot. Or he's going to command a spot on a major league roster probably next season. I'd, I'd be very surprised if he's still in the minors next season. And then you got Danny Jansen, who had himself a fantastic year as well. The Blue Jays kind of have to trade one of these guys. Maybe it's Kirk. Maybe it's Moreno. I think it's probably one of those two guys, the way that Danny Jansen works with the pitching staff there. When he's out, the pitchers never do as well. Kirk is is a good catcher. He's more so an offensive-minded catcher, but defensively, he's come a long way as well. And then Gabby Moreno, man, it's hard to gauge exactly who he is yet, but there's not a lot of power there. He's quick. His pop time is really good. He can play in some other positions. The Jays had him yesterday, I think, in left field, and then at second and then at third. So maybe he's going to be like a catcher extraordinaire in a couple of years in fantasy, which would really, really boost his value, by the way. If Gabriel Moreno is able to have catcher, outfield, second and third, like hit for a high average like I expect him to, steal some bases like he's going to be a dangerous fantasy player I know people aren't so big on him right now because of the lack of power but everything else I think is going to be there and especially if he stays with the Blue Jays in this lineup I'm not worried about him I I'm I'm worried for the Jays catching situation as a whole just because it's going to be hard to choose preseason especially if there's no trade made 
by the time we get to February or March, who are we drafting? Who's going to be starting? Who's getting the bulk of the playing time? Kirk, right now, should be probably the starting catcher heading into next season. But I don't think it's an impossibility. Well, it's unlikely, I think, that he's traded. But I don't think it's impossible and that they maybe try and go with a combination of Moreno and Jansen. I think there'll be one guy who's the odd man out, and it's kind of hard to say right now at, at this point. Maybe some beat writers have a bit of a better grasp on this than I do. But in terms of all the teams in Major League Baseball, I know the Blue Jays better than any other team. And I know from what I've seen, from what I've heard from the team, they don't know exactly what the future is going to hold for their catching situation. They got three viable Major League catchers, which is a very enviable situation to be in. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what to think about Alejandro Kirk going into next year. He was not drafted very high this year. He was the 219th pick in NFBC drafts. And on Yahoo, he was 223rd. Kind of close there. You don't usually see it quite that close. He's definitely going higher than that this year, but that's kind of where his value was. He was the 213th ranked player on Yahoo this season. That fits right in with where he was being drafted. Now, he will go higher next season. A catcher who can bat 285, give you a bit of power. He's, he's going to go higher than that. There's no question. I'm just a little bit worried here about playing time for starters. Maybe, you know, if Moreno is going to be a stud. Moreno is going to be a stud. It won't be with the power, but he will command playing time. And I think that will eat into Kirk, and I think Danny Jansen will continue to eat into Kirk a little bit. I, I'm, I'm nervous. I still think he's in that second tier of catchers for next season, but I'm nervous. I, I, I'm a little bit, because 470 at-bats this year is very good. For a catcher, it's very good. But we continue to see that go down. Maybe it goes down to 400. It was already kind of hard for him to have value down the stretch here. Uh, count me count me cautious on Alejandro Kirk for next season. Here's another guy who I am very much going to be cautious on, Salvador Perez. Now, when he was out there this year, he had value, especially down the stretch here this last month. Four homers and 12 RBIs while batting 330. That was great for you in this last month. For the season as a whole, 445 at-bats. 48 runs, 23 homers, 76 ribbies, zero steals, obviously, and a 254 batting average for Salvador Perez. Now, he was the consensus number one catcher off the board this year because last year he had 48 home runs, and he was, I think it was the most home runs that a catcher had ever hit in a season, actually. He went as the 35th pick over on Yahoo, and he went as the 31st pick over on the NFBC. He's definitely not going anywhere in that range again next year. There will be some value, probably, <clears throat> excuse me, there will probably be some value in drafting him. But it really depends on the cost. I mean, if he's going to be going still inside of that top 100, and NFBC, I'm sure he will. But if he's going inside the top 100 on Yahoo, I think that might be a little bit too high for me. Uh, I, I worry, first of all, injuries could repeat themselves. I, I'm, it's very hard to predict injuries, especially a year in advance here. You might come off sounding like an idiot if you're trying to predict who's going to be injured next season. But Salvador Perez is not the youngest guy. He is a catcher. He's currently dealing with a thumb problem, and he did miss what was it, 50 games this season. So I'm not so sure that he's going to have that many games played, that much value next season. I think that he can, but we saw in 2021 a miracle season where he played in 161 games. You don't see that out of a catcher. I know he was DHing a lot, but you don't see that. We saw what happened this year with 114 games. The power slowed down, obviously, which it was going to do after a historic season, which is kind of where my worry with Aaron Judge comes in. I know yesterday with Patrick, if you guys heard that show, Patrick thinks that Judge can hit 60 home runs every year. I'm just worried about those kind of heights being repeated year after year, and we see that in baseball all the time. A career year is usually followed by a bit of a down year. We saw that with Perez. Now, in terms of next year, where am I in terms of you know thinking about him? 
he's going to be 33 at the beginning of next season. They got MJ Melendez coming up there as well, who's going to take more of the catcher reps. Maybe we see a little bit less playing time from Sal as he gets older. They're not playing for anything. Over these next two or three years, the Royals are not going to be playing for playoff contention. This is going to be development time for guys like Bobby Witt, for Melendez, for Pasquantino, for Prado. They're just going to try and grow their system and turn these guys into proper major league players. So I don't know that... I mean, Sal Perez is going to be a good bench guy, a good, a good you know, clubhouse guy, I should say. I don't think he'll be benched. But I worry about where we're going to be drafting him. Inside the top 100, I'd be a little bit worried. If you have an option of Sal Perez or any of the other guys we've talked about, uh, Kirk is probably close. I, it's, I, God, I don't even know about that one. That one for right now is, is a toss-up for me about for next year. But if you have Real Muto, Smith, or Varsho, or Perez all sitting there, like Perez would be the one that I rank fourth. I'd still put him in the second tier of catchers, I think, because catching is kind of a crapshoot. But I'm I'm still worried uh, for sure about where we're going to get value out of him next season. Let's talk about Sean Murphy, who earlier in the year I was pretty big on, and I kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit. He ended up having a not bad season, 18 home runs, 66 RBIs, a two fifty batting average, 67 runs scored. In a big ballpark with a bad team, that's really not a bad season, specifically for a catcher, the 234th ranked player. Where he was being drafted this year, 239th on the NFBC. And in terms of Yahoo leagues, where is it? 236. So he returned value literally right in that range. I think he'll probably be drafted a little bit higher next season in terms of Yahoo leagues because he was like a top, what was he, the sixth best catcher this year? He was the sixth best catcher this year. So I think he'll probably go a little bit higher in terms of where he was being drafted last year. He was like the 13th catcher off the board. Guys who are being drafted ahead of him who will not be drafted ahead of him again. Kibert Ruiz, uh, Mitch Garver, Christian Vazquez, uh, Gary Sanchez, I doubt it. Yadi Molina, no chance. Stassi, no chance. Zanino, no chance. Higashioka, Tucker Barnhart. Uh, these guys were all being drafted ahead of him. Jonah Heim as well. I wouldn't expect that to continue next year. I think he'll probably push up inside of that top 200. Should be totally fine for value. We saw him this year. Like I said, bad ballpark, bad team. He was still able to have good value. One position as a catcher is just kind of the way it is. Most of these guys only have one position. It always kind of pisses me off seeing anybody just have one position of eligibility, but you can't really be too upset with a guy like uh, Sean Murphy here. Now, there's still a chance that the A's trade him. The A's, I thought they were going to trade him and Loriano and everybody else in the middle of the season. They've traded most of their roster, most of their good players over the last, I guess, going back to... The winter, somewhere in the winter when that whole fire sale would, fire sale would have started. So maybe he does get moved. Uh, the catcher market is kind of hard to pinpoint. There are a lot of good catchers coming up right now. I just talked about three that the Blue Jays have that one of them probably traded. So I'm not sure about what a market there will be out there for a guy like Murphy, but I think there's still a chance we could see him get moved. And that would probably just do wonders to his value. You know, this is like probably the worst situation for fantasy value being in Oakland. Uh, it's it's one of the worst, you know, Detroit, Oakland, if you're playing there, you got the bad ballpark plus the bad team around you. If he's on a good team next year, those 67 runs, 66 RBIs, maybe they go to 80 apiece. Maybe he gets 20 home runs. That would be fantastic. And I think, you know, we can't expect that. But if he's traded, uh, I'd look for Sean Murphy to get a big bump. And I think there's still a pretty solid chance that he does get traded. Let's move on to our next player now. That's going to be Travis Darno. Now, he finished out as the 237th ranked player for the season, which is kind of deceptive because he did have a pretty damn solid year. He played in 107 games. Yeah, 107 games for Darno, 
61 runs, 18 homers, 60 RBIs, and a 268 batting average. It's a great lineup around him, so it's not a shocker that he was able to have value there despite you know missing 55 games. He was a 204th pick over on Yahoo, and on the NFBC, he was being drafted as the 220th pick. Now, <clears throat> we've already talked about some catchers for next season who are being drafted ahead of these guys, or I was mentioning specifically before, but... You know, Kyber Ruiz, Mitch Garver, Christian Vazquez, these guys are all being drafted ahead of him. I would expect them to fall down and be drafted below him. So Darno, I think there's a good chance he also moves up into the top 200 next season. And I'd be pretty okay drafting him there. I think he's 33 years old, so he's not the youngest guy, but his game doesn't really depend on anything like agility-wise, speed-wise. He doesn't steal bases for you. It's just about producing in the middle of that lineup. He's usually batting sixth. You know, he can give you home runs and RBIs with a good average. Average for a catcher, I know we talked about how steals are so rare, but <clears throat> good batting average for a catcher is very, very hard to come by. So you will take that 270-ish batting average every single day. Assuming he's still on the Braves, which I don't think there will be any change there. Uh, who, who knows, really? But I, I don't think there will be, assuming that he is still in Atlanta. I'd be totally fine to draft him around that 200 pick mark, and even a little bit higher probably because... Like I said, uh, batting average for catchers on a good team can give you some home runs. It's it's pretty damn rare. So Darno should be a solid pick around 200, assuming he goes there again. The next ranked player off the board, the next catcher, I should say, off the board, Wilson Contreras. He was the 238th ranked player, one spot behind Darno. He had 65 runs, 22 homers, 55 RBIs, four steals, and a 243 batting average. Now, he's another guy who wasn't quite the same down the stretch over this last month. He had 21 at-bats. I think he did have an injury, and he was missing some time there with that. Yeah, he was on the IL with an ankle injury. So he did miss some time. Uh, It was not that impressive when he was out there down the stretch. Now, in terms of where he was being drafted, 107 over on the NFBC, and over on Yahoo, he was 130. So, yeah, he was – I mean – you're not going to get that value a lot of the time with these catchers, even if the draft pick is higher than where they ended up ranking. Ranking can be a little bit deceptive overall for catchers because, you know, there's only two catchers who ranked inside the top 100, <clears throat> Real Muto and Varsho. And then Smith was 114, Kirk was 213, Perez 227. You're going to have to draft these guys higher than where they end up being ranked. It's just the way that it works with catchers. So I'm not disappointed in, in Contreras really, specifically if it's Roto. He gave you 22 home runs, four steals, decent counting stats. Head-to-head, I'll be a little bit more disappointed because obviously this last month he didn't really produce anything when it mattered. It's not really his fault, but when he came back, not the greatest production. He did hit a home run on the second last day of the year, which might have helped you out, but I don't know. It's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens with him this offseason. I'm not sure if he will be playing uh, with the Cubs next year. I don't think he will seen a lot of talk over on Twitter about how they should re-sign him and they never did and I would expect him to move on and where he goes will be probably a boost in his value I would imagine most teams are better offensively than the Cubs assuming he's playing most days most lineups are going to be a benefit there uh, for Wilson Contreras so I'm thinking he'll probably be drafted a little lower than he was this year a 107 130 range feels maybe a little high I mean uh, NFBC Probably still going in that general range. Uh, I wouldn't take him quite that high on Yahoo. I think you might be able to get yourself someone a little bit nicer on Yahoo uh, in that kind of range. It'll be hard to say, and it's still very early to even be thinking about the draft boards for next year. But I think around pick 100, I'd probably pass on Contreras, fill another need, and then get catching a little bit later on. Because there's still a lot of great catchers we're going to talk about. And I'm going to split this into two shows. 
because there's just too many catches to go over in one show. But Wilson Contreras, I, I like him. We'll see where he goes next year. It might be a great value if he goes to a team who needs a catcher. Let's say he goes to the Yankees or something like that. Like, Not that they necessarily need a catcher, but if he goes to like the Yankees or a team like that, uh, you're only going to see a boost in his value for next season. Let's talk about Wilson's brother, William, who had himself a very good little year. He was an all-star. Uh, I know that was kind of surprising to some people. Some people thought he didn't deserve it, and you could make that argument for sure. But in 96 games, he had 51 runs, 20 homers, 45 RBIs, two steals, and a 278 batting average. That's really good. I mean, he obviously benefited from the fact that there was a designated hitter in the National League, him and Darno. Neither of them had to take on such a huge workload. They were able to split time back there. And both of them had fantasy relevance, which is, I mean, we were talking about the Blue Jays earlier. Only Kirk had fantasy relevance. Jansen at times. Moreno was kind of a hopeful stream earlier in the year. But only one of those guys ended up being fantasy relevant, where in Atlanta, we had two catchers providing top 10 catcher value, which is really, really rare. Now, we kind of got our hopes up with him earlier in the year. I remember he played outfield for one game. He was in left field, I think. And we thought that he was going to have outfield eligibility incoming. Never happened. That was the only game he ever ended up playing out there. But I think he should still have some decent value. He wouldn't be a guy that I reach for next season. But if he falls to you in this same kind of range of 250-ish, I would be totally cool with that. Like last year... Uh, he didn't even have an ADP on uh, on Yahoo. He wasn't even being drafted. Now, those drafts don't go as deep as the NFBC. Let's take a look at the NFBC. It's probably pretty damn low, though, wherever he was being drafted. Um, man, I got to go scrolling very far down. 701. That was his ADP in the NFBC last year. He was the 52nd catcher off the board. He will not be going that low, obviously. I think he'll probably be in that 250-ish range. And, and I'd be pretty cool with him there. I think he'll probably be something similar next season, assuming that there's no big changes in Atlanta with their way they're catching uh, duo shapes out there. I think it'll probably be these two guys doing something kind of similar. In that lineup, it doesn't take a hell of a lot to have value. We saw it. I mean, Michael Harris is a fantastic player, but in 110, 120 games, the dude had crazy value. Like per game, I think he was like the third or fourth uh, ranked player. So in that Braves lineup, you just got to be in the lineup to have value pretty much. I know that's oversimplifying things, but if Contreras is out there playing 100, 110 games, 120 games maybe, Darno gets older, they start to play Contreras a little more, I think he'll be a, a good value pick next season. And I think at this point, I might even prefer him over his brother. They had very similar stat lines this year. Wilson Contreras had 14 more runs and 10 more RBIs, but he also had 75 more at-bats. Uh, William was within two home runs, within two steals, and he batted 45 point, or 35 points higher. So a pretty similar value for a guy who's almost definitely going to be cheaper next year, especially if Contreras, the older Contreras, goes to you know, a big market team as a free agent. We'll see his ADP shoot up, whereas William Contreras, I think he'll probably just stay in Atlanta. His ADP will certainly be higher than 700 where it was last year, but he'll probably be in that 250 range. Uh, maybe a little higher uh, if you're talking NFBC, but if you're just talking your standard Yahoo League, you might be able to spend your last pick on your catcher and get William Contreras or one of your last two or three picks. That would be something I'd I'd really think about if you know if you're struggling later in your draft to get a catcher. I don't think he'll cost that much. He's already shown 20 home run pop in less than 100 games with a couple steals and a good batting average. Great lineup. I, I'm I'm all in at this point. I'm all in, especially at the draft price. 
We'll talk about one more catcher for today. I'm going to split this one up into two, maybe even three parts. We'll see over the weekend if I want to do a third catcher video. We have a lot of time here to kill before next season, so maybe we'll just go in depth as possible and cover 30, 40 catchers. Today we're going to stick with 10. The 10th guy in terms of value this year was Adley Rutschman in 398 at-bats. He had 70 runs, 13 homers, 42 RBIs, 4 steals, and a 254 batting average. We weren't really sure when he was going to get the call this year, so his draft price it was maybe a little higher than it should have been considering he wasn't in the majors at the time. 228 over on Yahoo, and on the NFBC it was 209. <clears throat> now, he's already one of the best catchers in all of baseball. I mean, it really didn't take long for us to see what this guy can do leadership-wise, his skills behind the plate. In 112 games, I think a lot of people will already tell you he is the next great catcher in baseball. He is that next guy who will follow Buster Posey and Joe Maurer. He, he is that he is the natural successor to them. And it's hard to argue. He is fantastic. He has that natural leadership ability. <clears throat> I think it was within a week or so of him being called up, you were already seeing him talking with guys on the bench and, you know, trying to lift their heads up after a strikeout or a bad pitching outing or whatever it is. Like, the dude's legit. And not just in terms of fantasy He's a legitimate baseball stud. He is excellent. I love Adley Rutschman. Now, I very much doubt that I'm going to love where Adley Rutschman is being drafted next season. We had Rob DiPietro on, uh, I guess it would have been about a month ago, talking about the draft and hold that he did, and specifically with regards to rookies, where we expect them to be drafted, where they were drafted. Adley Rutschman, in that particular draft, which was you know a very sharp room full of analysts, he went at pick 71. He went in round five. Now, I'm a little nervous about picking him in that range in a 15-teamer, I think. If he's going to be your probably your third batter, you're assuming you're going to have like two pitches, two batters by that point. If he's your third batter, I'm a little nervous. If it's a 12-teamer, I feel a little bit better about it, 10 or 12-teamer in this range. You've already got you know five or six players on your team as opposed to four. Uh, then I'd probably like him more there. And it's just very hard for me to invest that kind of – in that kind of draft capital in a guy who's been very good. I think I like him more from a real baseball side than a fantasy side. He should be a very good fantasy player, don't get me wrong, but he had 13 home runs, four steals, and he batted 254. It wasn't crazy. Like, will he improve? He should. That whole Orioles team should improve. But I'm not going to be paying a price expecting him to finish in the top 70 when – we, I've just told you, like, one catcher this year finished in the top 70. You know, it was JT Real Muto. He was 47th, and then Varsho was 88th. Now, different sites have different algorithms, how they calculate the stuff. Maybe some sites will have Real Muto as 25th. Maybe some of them have him as 60th. I don't know. Yahoo is pretty industry standard, so we go with Yahoo here. We'll talk about ESPN at another time. I don't think that you can draft any catcher really expecting that kind of production. Now, we mentioned it earlier. You kind of have to reach a little bit because you're not going to get these guys in the slots where they actually produce. You have to reach a little bit. But reaching into that kind of range, into that 70 kind of range to grab to grab uh, Adley Rutschman for me is a little bit reckless. Like, if I'm just looking at the 70 range this year, you'd be talking about guys like, okay, just starting from 70, Andres Jimenez, CJ Crone, Alex Bregman, Corey Seager, Starling Marte, Jose Abreu. Are we going to draft him ahead of these guys? I don't know that we are. And I mean, year-to-year -year rankings change quite a bit. But if we're just looking at right now, if he's going to be going in the 70s, these are the guys who produced in the 70s this year. If you go a little bit higher, you get guys like Ahmed Rosario, Christian Walker. Maybe you take him ahead of these guys. Brandon Drury, you get more upside. 
with uh, with Rutschman, but you know, you go a little bit farther down the list, and I don't know, are you going to take him over Varsho? I'm not going to take him over Varsho. There's no chance I'm taking him over Varsho. Uh, are you going to take him over Teoscar Hernandez, who was ranked lower? No, I'm not. I, I, I'm very worried that the hype around him, and you know, it's, it's warranted based on his talent, but I think the fantasy hype might have gotten a little bit out of control with, with Adley Rutschman. And he'll end up being drafted way too high next year. I, I might be wrong about that. Maybe he'll, you know, return top 50 value, hit you 30 home runs or close to 30 home runs, steal 10 bases, bat 300. And then I'd look like a fool. It's, it's totally possible. It's happened before. But that price for me is very, very primo for someone who's, granted, been very good this year. But, you know, his batting average hasn't gotten better. Over the last month, he's batting 245. He's just... I, I like him, but we're not overpaying for him. I'm not going to be overpaying for him next year. I'll let somebody else take Adley Rutschman at pick 70, and then I'll go a couple rounds later, and I'll take you know a Kirk or a Murphy or one of the Contreras brothers, something like that. Uh, when you say the Contreras brothers like that, it sounds like you're like you know setting up a crime documentary, the Contreras brothers. But anyway, I will probably wait uh, on catcher next year a little bit more assuming I don't want to go with one of those top two guys. And I know I grouped Will Smith into that top three, but even within that first tier, there's a little bit of separation for me with Real Real Mudo and then Varsho. And then Smith, while still an elite tier one catcher, would be just a half step behind those other two guys. Tomorrow, we'll get into the next batch of catchers. That will be starting off with Cal Raleigh, and we'll talk about MJ Melendez, Christian Vasquez, Jonah Haim, Danny Jansen, Eric Haas, Gary Sanchez, Jose Trevino. We'll make our way down. I don't know if I could do three shows at a catcher's because there's really not that many. There will be positions where, you know, I'll probably have to do three outfielder shows, uh, three first baseman shows probably. Pitching we'll probably spend a whole week on at least. Um, but yeah, that will do it for today's show, guys. I really appreciate all the kind messages I got yesterday. I hope I wasn't, I hope I didn't hurt your teams too badly this season. This was my first year giving advice as opposed to just, you know, it's different when you're just making a pickup yourself and you say, ah, you know, screw it. I'll pick up the guy versus somebody else asks you. They tell you they're in the final. There's a thousand bucks on the line. Who should I pick up? It's nerve wracking. I hope I didn't steer you guys in any two wrong directions. Uh, I appreciate the very kind messages that I did get, uh, over Twitter Continue to subscribe to the show, download and subscribe. That's the best way for us to continue to be seen. A lot of shows will stop during the offseason, which is cool. They, they need a break. I wouldn't mind a break, but we're going to keep going here anyway. We'll keep doing these shows throughout every single day of the offseason. And we're going to keep bringing guests on. Uh, as of right now, no one confirmed for next week, but I think we'll. there's a couple of possibles uh, for next week and the week after. Uh, I still hope to get Aaron Bruski on the show at some point, the founder of Sports Ethos, to just talk about, you know, the creation of the company a little bit. He's got some baseball stories as well, promote some of the stuff that he's got going on. So we got some stuff in the works here over these next few weeks, next couple of months. There'll be a show every single day, every single weekday of the offseason. I don't know when, when Christmas Day is, but if it's on a weekday, there will be a show here. So just make sure you guys are subscribed, download, follow on Twitter, at JoeRico99 and at EthosFantasyBB. Ethos Fantasy BB specifically, go show it some love. It's still in its infancy. It's been around for, I mean, I mean as long as I've been doing the show, but it, you know, people don't really go and follow that if we do get follows on Twitter. People will t- tend to follow me, which, of course, I appreciate. But go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB. That is the account where we will post out all of our new content throughout the summer, or throughout the winter, I guess, not the summer. Uh, all the new podcasts, articles, Twitter threads, of course. Everything will be shared over on there. So please do go check it out. 
Check out sportsethos.com. We got a ton of basketball packages right now. Draft guides, fantasy passes, wager passes, tons of stuff. The football is mixed in with the basketball this year, so you get even more content, premium content that is all rolled up into one. And also free stuff. If you're just trying to go browse around on the website, you don't need a subscription. You can just go browse around, look at articles and all that kind of different thing. So we'll leave it there. I hope you guys did well this season. I really do. I hope I didn't steer you too wrong. But we'll see you again tomorrow to wrap up the week and finish off our little review of catchers. Cheers, everybody. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.